0: to the impeccable perspective podcast where we help you discover gospel clarity and openness in a new way by letting go of the culture and finding your truth while having some fun doing it now here are your hosts joe peck and Luann Roundy. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Here we are, as always, excited and thrilled to be here to bring you the best in entertainment, mingled with gospel doctrine, (laughs) and uh, whatever else we can think of and throw in in the meantime.
1: I'd like to think we're the other way of some really good sources of information mingled with some fun and and play because we know it is fun. It is good to be playful and have a good time.
0: Well, it's always nice to think that that would be how it is, but uh, let's be honest. Let's, let's look at the reality of it. <laughs> I, I definitely bring the fun, and you can bring the gospel. There and, we go. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we're we'll see we're how good it mixes. balance. We're good balance that way. So here we are. Uh, we have a very exciting topic today, as always. And uh, I want to say that you know we are um, probably you know uh, close to a dozen episodes in at this point, and uh, we have been. Getting tremendous uh, feedback and uh, all kinds of uh, wonderful compliments on uh, the podcast, and I just want to tell everyone how excited we are to uh, be bringing this to you and to have a successful podcast. that does bring value to people, and uh, you know the information uh, has been something that has really made an impact in people's lives. And uh, I just absolutely love hearing the feedback that we receive and uh, and really being able to continue every week to provide value this way, and uh, this is all very important to us, and we're passionate about, uh, you know, really bringing uh, the kind of awareness that people need about the gospel and about the culture of the church, and uh, so I just want to say thanks, and we're uh, on with another very, very cool episode, and uh, Luann isn't Gonna say anything about that? Oh, <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, was, I
1: was just waiting for the lead, in. I'm all excited That's over kind of, here. No, here we are. No, I'm excited too about our listeners and that we continue <laughs> to grow and and invite people to come to listen. People maybe that are struggling. People that you know maybe that are unaware of the culture of the church. I Joe and I were talking, and it was really about the awareness, building awareness of what is here in a different way than other podcasts or other things that we listen to or ingest and helping us to find and hone some clarity and some just getting rid of old patterns and old ways of being and finding new ways that are in alignment with the gospel i think that's really what we're striving to do and that's where the gospel it really is based in the gospel and it doesn't mean we can't have fun because we're talking today about the proclamation. I was, and uh, I love the part with Brigham Young when he talks about wholesome recreational activities, which is fun. So See, important. that's where
0: we differ uh, on, on that. I think. <laughs> on
1: fun? You don't think wholesome recreational activities well, <clears throat> are fun? No, not the,
0: oh. uh, not the ones that, uh, that I'm aware of. And uh, I think maybe our definition of wholesome might be a little bit uh, different or not. It kind of depends on uh, what you think wholesome means, right? And and uh, let's um, <clears throat> excuse me. Be very clear that uh, today's topic is marriage. We're going to be talking about marriage, which is an awesome topic and a scary topic at the same time. And uh, I guess kind of the foundation, as Loanne was mentioning, uh, of this is the uh, proclamation. Uh, with that. But uh, tell me more about these wholesome activities you speak of.
1: Ah, wholesome activities. And, And we're getting in, we'll just jump into the proclamation and talking about marriage. Successful marriages and families are established and maintained on principles of, and he goes through a lot of really strong gospel ones, faith, prayer, repentance, forgiveness, respect, love, compassion, work, wholesome, recreational activities, That's in quotes, though, so I'm I'm taking it. Right, we'll talk more about the heavy-duty ones, faith, prayer, repentance, big one, forgiveness, huge in marriage, huge in marriage. That one's going to be one we'll spend a little bit of time with. Respect, love, compassion, work, and wholesome recreational activities, meaning we're going to go as a family, even if our family just consists of a husband and wife, and engage in Doing things together, it's a, the, the other things before are more a sense of being, being together in ways, but the, the part of doing is also important. And I, that's the balance that I think a lot of marriages miss that husbands and wives forget about. We really need to spend time and focus and energy and marriages fall apart because that's lost in spending it on the kids or on work or on myself. That's another selfish endeavor as opposed to being selfless and really thinking about our spouse and and spending that time and energy together.
0: Well, exactly. Yeah, that is the key, I think, and um, that gets lost in um, I think in in uh, with with the culture a little bit, and uh, people sort of get distracted, and nobody sets out to say, Yeah, I'm going to get married, and then just sort of you know uh, ignore my partner and focus on other things. But there is such a, a tremendous you know, focus on this whole families are forever kind of concept, which is obviously beautiful doctrine and amazing that you can, just the thought that you can be with your spouse and be with your family uh, for all of eternity versus just, you know, all of that ending when we die, that's tremendous doctrine. That's a beautiful thing that gives people hope and uh, something like that. Just knowing that that's out there changes the way that people actually commit to their Marriage, because I know, hey, listen, this is something that we can build for all of eternity if we choose to, and so it changes how you look at it. But nonetheless, uh, I think the focus kind of does become on the family, and uh, I'm just gonna come right out of my soapbox, right? Oh, as right saying say, you,
1: you gonna get your soapbox out already. I was well, ready to get on mine because whenever you bring up that uh, it's selfless and it, that it really needs to be wired that way, there's a lot of people who are really selfish in their marriages, and and it's all about me and what are you going to do for me? And they don't go into it really looking at it as a sacrifice and work. And they believe that it's going to bring them a level of happiness that they never had before. That isn't the, the truth of it. And that's kind of my soapbox, I think, that I would rather, that I was thinking about getting out, but you can get your soapbox out also and talk about. but but And especially in communication and being emotionally focused on each other and being able to be open and vulnerable and uh, being able to express openly things that are difficult and sharing with them things you wouldn't share with anyone else. Really difficult in a marriage because you want to lo- that person to love and see you as this amazing person, but also very important. And also that it's for eternity that people are interesting. They will stay in a marriage that's not working And whenever I work with them and I ask them, do you want to be with this person forever? The look on their face is, I don't even want to be with this person for the next day, but I stay with them because it's safe. And I, a lot of it's financial. I have a financial stability with them. They may be horrible to me, demeaning Um, they treat me, they objectify me, they treat me as something that's not important. They don't see me as a person, but I'll stay with it because I'm so afraid to go out and be on my own or try something different that I'm willing to just stay in a bad situation in that it's abusive or it's not healthy and willing even to look at eternity with a person that I really am not In love with it doesn't respect me and it's interesting to see how they create their own suffering through this and it's the eternity part is important in looking at spending the next if you look at the next 10 minutes 10 days 10 months 10 years to eternity, how what's that going to look like? Are we both progressing? And are we both going in the same direction that I'd want to spend eternity with this person in my marriage? And now, we're pro- now I'm on my soapbox and listeners are probably thinking, wow, those are some pretty heavy duty questions for me to even look at my marriage. And if I don't really want to spend the next 10 years with my spouse or eternity, then asking yourself, what can you change? And what's going on in your marriage that that needs to really have some digging and some unearthing to to work on and to be present to.
0: That was a good rant. Yeah, from you. Good you, soapbox. Yeah, very good. Pulled soapbox. out already. Normally, we'd like to see more of that as we as we go here. <laughs> from you, you've been shy. I think about getting on your on soapbox. My soapbox. I try that. not to. Uh, I think I just like to think that I'm having a good influence on you that way, And <laughs> getting you more. Any, any more brave to get out there and, and speak your mind about these things. And uh, yeah, everything you say is is absolutely true, of course. And, uh, you know, the, the culture has such uh, an influence on this and marriage as well. And it's, it's crazy in so many ways, I think, when you kind of look at it again as a, an outsider looking in on the culture and how people are raised and taught about marriage. And, you know, obviously it's important and, and obviously it's a, a very key part of of Heavenly Father's plan for all of us, right? It's a cornerstone for that. Marriage is ordained of God. That we, you know, we believe that it's it's not just uh, something kind of to do. I mean, there, there's a uh, an eternal perspective to this. This was marriage was created before you know this earth happened, and it'll continue on through after this uh, life is all done, and it is absolutely ordained of God. And, and you know, the the main purpose of it is to uh, create. A situation that we can bring children into the world and and help them to, uh, to grow and, and the idea of being married versus just living together, let's say, or not being married, but being committed to each other, where I, th- I think a lot of times the the component uh, of God is the difference between the two. but um, you know, marriage really ideally is designed to create a family unit where that can strengthen communities and, and kind of build from there where we have a you know a closed environment where people are dedicated to raising children in, you know, uh, whatever it is. It doesn't necessarily have to be the gospel per se, but you create an opportunity for God to be in your lives that way and to create this whole, uh, you know, um, just this, uh, um, I don't know what I want to say, uh, an incubator, let's say, for uh, teaching children right and wrong and teaching children how to live and the proper way to live. In all of these things, and so it just becomes, you know, closed unit uh, as a marriage, in, which has God uh, at the center of it kind of thing, which is what what it was intended, and at least that's what we believe, right, uh, in, in terms of all of that. So getting back to my soapbox here <laughs> about the uh, uh, culture, you know, when we were talking about the focus being on the family and everything, I think that gets taken too far. I've noticed, and tell me what you think about this, but I've noticed that a lot of, people, and when I say people, I mean women, when they have a family, their focus goes from the husband to the children, right, where that just becomes their main focus. Now, not a bad thing, but when we look at a marriage relationship, and we look at priorities, right, you I know, mean, obviously, you know, typically, God would be the top priority. That's sort of right. something that we all understand. And that's great. sort of assumed. Uh, but then the next priority is your spouse, Right? Correct. Because, yeah, because if you think about it, the, your spouse is the only person that stays with you in a, in a perfect world, right? That stays with you for your entire adult life. So, meaning that your children eventually grow up and move out and they move on and they start their own life. So, they kind of aren't in your home or in your immediate life like they were when they were growing up. Your parents eventually pass, right? And, and they leave your life. And so, but your spouse is really the only one that's always there with you in your marriage uh, throughout your whole adult life. So that has to be your top priority. Now, it doesn't mean that the other relationships are not priorities, but that needs to be, I think, your number one that you have to continually focus on and you have to spend time developing and nurturing and growing uh, always uh, like that because that's the main relationship in your life. What do you think about that?
1: And I totally agree with that. And within that is an agreement between the spouses. There are going to be times that your children need to be a focus dependent upon what's going on in your life. Right. Absolutely. And you would agree and talk about that as a spouse that, okay, as a partnership, you know, our kids need to have this focus. And we both agree we're going to sacrifice, whether it's talents, money, energy, energy your time whatever it is that you say we are going to agree on that but as a whole if you don't nurture your um, marriage it is going to die and for some reason the uh, the what is it Matthew McConaughey movie comes to mind of whenever they have the love plant and they don't water it nurture it. Don't you remember this? I'm
0: just trying to remember which movie it was. Um,
1: the Ways to Lose a Guy type of oh, thing. Oh, Ten Ways to Lose a Guy. Ten yeah. Ways to Lose a Guy, mm-hmm. and she gives him the love plant, and he doesn't nurture the plant, and it dies. It's that that same idea, though, if you don't, if you don't, <laughs> I don't know why that popped into my head. Nurture, nurturing your marriage is so important, and your eternal relationship. So I'm going to take Joe's idea and go a step further, because not only do your kids leave... And they're going to find their own relationships, but they then be are sealed in the temple and their sealing to their spouse is the thing that is enduring. I realize our family ceilings are enduring, but the important one is the ceiling to spouse because then we become gods and goddesses together in that ceiling and, and have spirit children that it's in a different realm. And this is our little incubator. We'll go back to that or a place to be able to practice that. And if we can't learn to grow together here, it's, it's not going to be something that's magically going to come in the life hereafter. This is the little proving ground or we're being tested again for that. And it's, And that's why it's essential to God's eternal plan, which it states in the proclamation. If you look at connections, we are all connected as a whole to everyone that has lived on the earth, lives on the earth, or will live on the earth through the eternal bonds of being brothers and sisters. And those bonds are important but the most important bond is the one of marriage and learning to work together with one other person to sacrifice and to gain a closeness physically mentally emotionally and spiritually and that really requires a lot of vulnerability and openness and that's where again marriages i see are struggling because people are afraid to become vulnerable to their spouse because they're afraid uh, that they will be rejected. They're afraid that if they really knew who they were, just like we're afraid to show ourselves to the world, if they really knew who I was, they wouldn't love and accept me, so I have to put on a front and be something different. Um, and, and for women, that's the way they look. For men, it's the way that they earn money or that they're the provider, uh, and it's, it, it never serves the marriage without, without people being that, that open vulnerability and loving kindness and acceptance of each other, right. For where they're at. Um, and let's go back to the, the one about children. I agree with that. I see that happen a lot where women really devote their time and energy to their children in an unhealthy way that they forget about their role as a wife. And that does need to be put first within their, realm of energy and time again we have limited resources in that in our day because we live in a linear state of time where we have the beginning of the day and the end of the day and we all have 24 hours and devoting that to the children is is important but also taking and making sure that a chunk of that time is devoted to your spouse in whatever way their love language is in whatever way they understand love and serving them And in that, it's praying for them, thinking of them, sacrificing for them, um, and that comes differently in every marriage. But I do see a lot of, in therapy, a lot of marriages that have fallen apart because uh, of children being put first and the husband feeling that he no longer has a companion that is there to support him, Um, and, and it's... there is a different role and there's a different energy to being a mom and a wife and switching from that role of I'm a mom I love my kids in one way to being a wife I'm now a sexual beautiful you know being that's connected to my husband is a completely different energy to move into and some women struggle with shifting from one to the other
0: well it was a whole nother level wasn't it? <laughs> it was a whole
1: nother <laughs> level of that. And and I think that's where I, especially new moms, they'll have a really hard time and they'll start therapy and they have a new baby. And they're like, I just don't know how to handle being a mom all day long. And then my husband comes home and I, I'm kind of lost as to my, you know, my, My body doesn't feel like my own because typically they're taking care of the baby. They're feeding the baby. They have the, and it feels different because they're not pregnant anymore. There's a whole different realm to that. And, and it's relearning how those roles mix together in a healthy way, in a balanced way. And there's a learning process for everyone to do that. And it, and just asking yourself and asking your spouse, you know, do you feel like we're spending time, quality time together in building our, and nurturing our relationship and again, being open and vulnerable and talking about that.
0: Yeah, no, there's a lot to that for sure. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's very true now. I, I, just when we're talking about putting your marriage first, uh, you, you touched on this too, but uh, it's also very important to absolutely understand that at times uh, the kids are going to be the top priority, right? Things are going to happen where you have to put the kids first. And the same thing with your career, or your business. There are going to be times when you just absolutely have to work overtime or you have to commit to uh, to a a work um, project or something like that, or, or, you know, you have to put your uh, livelihood first or your responsibilities, right, uh, in your job first. And so that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about making your spouse number one, regardless, 100% of the time, no exceptions. But in general, that has to be your top, um, you know, relationship that you focus on for the reasons that we discussed. Uh, But, I mean, just life ebbs and flows, and there are going to be times when something else has to be their priority. So it is definitely a tricky, delicate balance, but I I think a, a lot of people don't quite get that because the culture, you know, just perpetuates this whole, you know, focus on family. And I think people just say, well, we have to focus on our family as a unit. Which basically means the kids, and it means my extended family, Mm -hmm. right? All of that, and there's no longer a direct focus on the marriage in a lot of cases, right? A focus on that actual relationship, just you and your spouse only. The focus is more like, well, that's the family. So the family means my spouse and my kids, but we're all treating the priority as as one, like a group kind of priority, which is not true. I mean, like you know, your husband or your spouse, your wife needs direct. Uh, attention from you as a spouse, and there has to be sort of you have to be able to laser focus on that uh, you know a lot of the time and otherwise the attention just gets drawn out and and that 's a very very cultural thing, uh, especially if you 've ever lived in Utah for some reason families can 't live apart i don 't understand it it's it 's a very unusual phenomenon uh, in my mind coming from where I come from my family. Is literally scattered all over the world, and that's just what happens. And I'll say that's a very common thing in Canada. People will leave Canada to travel and live abroad uh, a lot of the time. It's just they love to explore, and it's very common to do that. And you come home, and maybe you move back home, and things like that. But it's it's very common to just sort of go off and live your life and follow your path, and you know, kind of take in what life has to offer, and you still have your family relationships. Uh, But it's a different mindset. Whereas in Utah, everybody seems to need to live within half an hour of each other, right? And uh, there's a big problem where women, uh, you know, uh, can't cut the cord, right? Right. They can't cut the cord.
1: And this is good. You're moving into this. I call it. Well, other people call this the "leave and cleave." I'm going to leave my family. I'm putting that on a T-shirt. Yes, leave and cleave. Leave leave and cleave. (laughs) And cleave unto my spouse. Cleaving meaning I'm, I'm like cleaving is holding on to because if you don't, you're going to fall. It also
0: means cutting. (laughs) Isn't that weird? That word has two two meanings that are completely opposite.
1: They're opposite of it. But cleaving, I think of rock climbing and whenever you have a finger hold or a toe hold on something, that's what's holding you onto that rock face. And if you let go, you're a goner. If you're doing free climbing, it's way worse than if you're on belay, but it's, it's cleaving at really, I'm cleaving to my spouse, meaning vulnerability again. I am, I am, you and I need each other to talk to, to be with that. I enjoy spending time with you. You enjoy spending time with me. I want to, I get something out of it, which, and I, and I want you to share your story about what, about leave and cleave. But the other thing I thought of was that whenever you're taking that time like what you're talking about, not leaving your family behind. It's so important when you're spending time with your spouse to not talk about your kids. (laughs) You leave your kids and their issues at home and your time together is to talk about here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm discovering about myself and I'm feeling and I'm experiencing and I'm afraid of or I was hurt by or things that are deeper emotional things that happened or things that you, your dreams, here's one of the dreams I had this, this week that I really would like to see come to fulfillment, putting it out there, speaking your truth is so important. The truth of this is what I see as an issue, even though it may be difficult to bring up, that's what builds a marriage is that open honesty. And that's what needs to be talked about is what are the goals that we have Independently, How am I doing with those goals? Allowing that other person to give you constructive criticism of, I see this as, you know, you're doing really well with this. Maybe there's something you can do better with this. I love that conference talk where he talks about, and then I decided to open myself up about criticism from my best friend and my wife. And my wife told me, and I thought, there's no way. And then I asked my friend and he said the same thing and then he believed his wife, (laughs) but it's, it's allowing that ability to trust in them that they're not trying to hurt you, but they have your best interest in mind as they give you that constructive criticism. And then you have goals together as a, as a partnership and you talk about those and then you have goals as a family. And if you can focus those moments in your dates and your time together on that type of conversation and interaction you're going to receive so much more than just complaining or going over your schedule or talking about the kids and and what's going on with them
0: um yeah that's uh, there's there's a lot to that and uh I, you know I, I noticed that um you know, spending, like what you said is spot on, first of all, about, um, I love that idea of, uh, you know, when going on date night or whenever you're with your spouse, you don't talk about the kids at all. That's actually very profound. I think that's something that people can make as a rule for their date night, right? Is to say, we don't talk about the kids. This is strictly our time and our relationship. And we need to focus on that. And people don't, I mean, you see all the time, it seems to me in the church that everything that, couples do together is it completely revolves around the kids right they spend all their time going to all their kids activities which is healthy which is very important to the children and to your family of course but it just seems like that that's all they ever do and that's all it's important to them is just we do everything together as a family we go and support everybody and we go to all of their events and we do this and we do that but they don't ever really get away from their family and just focus on themselves, right? On their relationship only. That kind of gets lost in a lot of cases. And people do have date nights, but a lot of people don't. Like a consistent, committed date night every week, no matter what. No exceptions, unless it's an emergency or something. Not everybody does that. And they I think they think that hey, you know, we're being really solid because we're always together as a family and we, we spent all our time together. And But it revolves around all the activities, all the busyness, right, of life and of your kids and of your family. And I think a lot of times the husbands are sitting back and saying, man, I just I just want to spend time with my wife. Like, I just want some alone time. I can't you know, talk to her about things. We don't. We don't have our sexy time very often anymore, <laughs> right? Because the kids are always. Uh, Is that
1: what you call it, Joe? A sexy <clears> time. I call it sexy time. I got
0: all kinds of words for that, but um, <laughs> <clears throat> yes, I do. Uh, th- that's right. Uh, you know, uh, when uh, I think sometimes, you know, <laughs> when that comes up, uh, I like to use the word amorous. We get very amorous uh, feeling. <laughs> that's a, a big word. It's a big word. Yeah, it's actually just a fancy way of saying horny. But it's very important. <laughs> because it's true. It is because it's, a, it is, it's an important part of a relationship. Amorous. Right? Amorous. Yeah, write that oh one down. Oh, boy. Okay. It's a good one for sure. I uh, like that. So I had recently discovered a very, very cool uh, idea for your relationship. And uh, that is, and this talks about what you just said, uh, that is uh, what I'm kind to kind of call a concern jar. So the idea is every time that you have a concern, or an issue, or anything that you feel like we have to talk about with your spouse, you write it down, throw it in the jar, and then on your date night, when you go out, you pull one of those out of the jar, and then that's your topic for your date night that you have to talk about, and you have to resolve that issue on the date, and that's the plan.
1: And I don't know if you have to resolve it, but you at least have to bring it up and, and air it. And the, the issue I find whenever I tell clients, okay, I want you to talk about this, they're like, oh, but that ends up in an argument, or that in, and, and that ends up in a negative way, okay. Don't make a story up. Don't believe you know what the future is. Don't try and put words in your spouse's mouth and they'll say, well, I've been married to them for 25 years. I get that. And things can shift and change. If you become vulnerable and say, this is really important. I I want to talk about it. It's something that I find is putting up a barrier or something between the two of us and i i it's it's something that's not negotiable to not talk about and and just asking them to be open and listen listening in a marriage is huge people tend to let more husbands than wives block out what's being said believing it's not important and they miss some of those really important things that are being said not just with their words but with their body language they don't want to listen because many times it's change and change is uncomfortable or it's sacrifice and again that's not something that they want to do or hear and they get defensive because they believe it's all about them when in reality it's not it's about both of us and both of us making a commitment to it but I like the idea of of the jar pulling one out and at least talk And, and that's the thing if you have goals or if you have things that you want to bring up that you agree that we're both going to bring these up and just listen and not attack or not defend and just be present and aware and mindful of what is being presented and think about it and just be curious and notice here we're back to awareness if it starts to trigger and bring up big emotions that means something about me it doesn't mean anything about them and i need to look at that so you could even tell your spouse this is starting to really bring up some big emotions I need to sit with this and just figure out what's going on inside of me, and typically it's a trigger from the past, like a past trauma or childhood or somewhere that that is built up and that person hasn't addressed and that's why they get angry and upset about it
0: yeah no that's that's very common right That's the thing that we all experience. I experience that and uh, you see it in a lot of uh, relationships and uh, you know, you know even I, th- I love the idea of you know having a, a jar where you you put your concerns and the or topics that you want to talk about in the jar because then you write them down, you don't forget about them and things like that. You can pull it out and talk about it any time. But I think just having that there and, uh, you know, I, I think just seeing it and it's like, oh my gosh, there's like five pieces of paper in this thing. We've got a lot to talk about, you know, we better kind of get on this. What um, if
1: there's like 20 pieces of paper? Ah, uh, you're probably Ooh. in the wrong relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or you have a really open, communicative person who wants to really air <laughs> yeah, something. things.
0: exactly. No, that that's actually, I think that's great because um, that kind of communication is vital. I joke about that, but that's one thing that I learned in my, you know, past marriage is that communication is completely key and vital. And one thing I wanted to mention that I've since learned and have a Adapted into my style of communication with uh, with women and within relationships, is that um, you, you talked about people, you know, being afraid to bring up concerns because the other person might um, think it's uh, stupid. They might not want to talk about you think. Uh, And this is common. Women will say, well, I want to talk to him about this, but I'm afraid he's going to get angry, or he he thinks it's going to be stupid, or he's just not going to listen to me or whatever. And that's terrible, because then they just bottle that concern. Mm -hmm. They bury it, and it just percolates. And the problem is they can't get past that concern until it gets resolved, which means that they can't fully give everything and commit their entire self to the relationship anymore because that's holding them back a little bit, right? So uh, one thing that I always keep in mind is, is that when I just say whenever something is a concern to my partner, then it doesn't matter what I think about it. If I think it's silly or if I think it's irrelevant or it's not a concern at all, that's not important because it's a concern for her, right? It's, it's a concern for her, w- regardless of what I think about it. And so that concern is important to her. And, you know, if you are committed and love that person, then it should be important to you to resolve that. And so I, you know, want to create an environment where you can uh, know that you can bring up any concern at all to me. And I'm going to listen and, uh, you know, without judgment or prejudice and uh, be uh, open and encouraging and uh, supportive and then we work on a solution together and you know it doesn't matter if i think well this is silly or it's not a concern at all it's clearly a concern for her and it just needs to be resolved so i think if you have that kind of mindset with it then that's going to make that you're not going to look at that jar and say, "Oh my gosh, we've got 20 things to talk about." This is scary. I'd look we're,
1: at it and think, "We have 20 things to talk about. This yeah, is exciting." exciting but then wow, again, these, I'm kind of weird that way. Uh, you I, are kind of weird. I, that yeah, way. I'm a but therapist, and I like I talking about stuff. And I'll ask my husband, like, "What do you want? What do you see as a concern?" And typically, his answers, not Nothing, a lot. Not a lot. I, I notice men really their concerns are more financial. Yeah. They look at the financial part of where we're spending money, how that's being spent, and that's and I that is 100 valid to do that. Women's are usually more emotional. They're concerned about the kids, which we're back into that kidland, but they forget a lot about their concerns because they're so focused on the kids again that they don't take care of themselves in saying, "You know what I'm concerned about things between us that we're not talking about this or that we're not approaching this or that we're not focusing on things like prayer or family prayer or family scripture study which is the husband's responsibility as the priesthood holder in the home and many times then the husband gets upset because he sees it as an attack that I'm wrong or bad shame on me there's some shame that they bring up when all the wife is asking is hey I'd really like you to be in charge of this could you could you do that or or give it to somebody else and say hey could you you know be in charge of the of come follow me this week or could you teach the lesson or could you say the prayer tonight which is just their responsibility as the father in the home to to give that to others and they just want them to to do that but along those lines nagging is a big thing I hear where women will ask and ask and ask and the men feel nagged because then i they just tell themselves I'm not good enough there's something wrong with me she has to tell me over and over why does she continue to ask me and it's that doesn't help but it's expressing the deeper emotions of why i would like you to do those things because and and having them gain an understanding to that like let's say that he isn't starting family prayer every night and her being able to express you know i love you and i love that you're the the person in our home that that is the responsibility and i'd like you to to do that because then I I don't feel responsible for it, and it's part of the balance in our marriage. I'm responsible maybe more for dinner and the, the laundry, and you're responsible for going to work and for the you know, the priesthood part of it. And that's and I love to see you in that role because then it strengthens my connection to you as a spiritual connection. Because it really is a spiritual connection whenever men love their families through saying it's time for prayers, it's time for scripture study, it's time for us to get together and talking about those things because it brings out that, that spiritual part in, in them, and it's done from a place of love for the family. And uh, it's, it's a humbling experience to, to bring into the home. And if they can understand that that's the softer side of them that, that the kids need and their wives need, it brings that balance to the home and to their marriage.
0: Yeah, I think that's the uh, th- that's a failure on the part of the man if they're not recognizing that their partner needs to talk about something, or they think that uh, you know it's just not valid, or here we go again. That that's and then it causes those feelings where the woman is feeling like I'm not, I don't feel you know, good enough or, or whatever like that. Um, that's a failure on the man. I think he needs to own that because he's not recognizing that his partner needs to discuss things and talk about things. And, you know, it just comes down to that communication, which was a problem, uh, in, in my marriage. And, uh, you mentioned that you want me to kind of get like, into yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fine. Uh, I have no problem with, with that. Um, I had a very successful marriage, to be honest, and very wonderful marriage, uh, indeed. And uh, it lasted 25 years, and uh, it was definitely what I needed, uh, for sure. I knew without doubt, a doubt that uh, I was supposed to uh, marry my ex, and uh, we have a beautiful family of four children. And uh, I'm very close, of course, with, with everyone there. I have a very, very amicable relationship with my ex, which I'm very grateful for. And uh you know she's an amazing person, and there was never uh you know an issue or a problem. We have a very unconventional kind of relationship and divorce i think when I, after being you know out there and talking to people and seeing the crap that people go through and they put up with not only through their marriage but after their marriage when you've got um you know exes who are horrible people who hurt you and won't work with you and uh don't you know pay their alimony or whatever the case is uh, or are not present in their Child's lives and they just make your life miserable. That's horrible. I can't even imagine doing that to anyone. And I'm very, very grateful that I don't have that situation. But um, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I think probably in a couple episodes, but especially in my uh, conversion story in the first episode, uh, you know, I, I kind of developed this uh, mechanism of shutting down from you know in terms of communication just from growing up in a really strict Catholic home and I carried that into adulthood and into my marriage and uh, didn't really realize that I was doing it. I mean I knew that I was doing it but I didn't realize the impact it was having and and how uh, you, you know it, it can change your dynamic and change your situation so whenever I would maybe get uh, you know upset or angry or uh, frustrated you know things like that I I didn't tend to talk about it and share my feelings, I would just kind of, um, withdraw, right. And, and sort of go silence and let things sit or whatever. And, uh, and shut out my ex. And that became a problem because it slowly over time, it just evolved into not communicating and it was subtle and it took a long time, but, uh, you know, looking back and after, you know, going through therapy and, and counseling and everything like that, you start to realize, wow, this is really a, a very prevalent thing. And, um, you know, we, we, had that issue, uh, in, when we talk about the culture and we talk about, um, cutting the cord, right. And, and being just, uh, you know, putting your family first instead of your marriage first, that was part of what happened uh, with us. Uh, and that's just a cultural thing in Utah. And, um, that that's how it is. And, uh, you know, when I moved to Arizona for work to support the family, And and do all of that and fulfill my responsibility um, You know, my ex decided not to move And that's just kind of what happened And, uh, you know, leaving uh, her life there And her family there And uh, her friends and and all of that uh, I guess, you know, it just wasn't uh, worth it uh, To move to another state to support me In what I was doing to provide for the family And uh, that, uh, you know, it's it's interesting But it's very telling And it it shows a lot about our relationship uh, Which I think we didn't realize or I didn't realize kind of where we were at. And the other part of that too is uh, initially the reason that she told me that she wasn't moving is because she didn't want to leave her life. She didn't want to leave her family. They're all super important to them, right? And it's like, well, your husband should be, you know, that should be your most important relationship. And that's typically what you want and, and how it would be to be successful. But again, in the culture, I don't know. It's just a weird thing. It's just pounded into your head from, you know, from birth that, you know, uh, your family is the most important thing. And people have such relationships with their family that they'd rather hang out with their parents or rather hang out with their family or their siblings, you know, than their friends or do other things. It's very unusual from where I'm from where it's the complete opposite with that. And it's not a bad thing because I love that my children have an environment where they are, very, very close to their grandparents and very, very close to their aunts and uncles and all of their cousins. They have beautiful relationships with all of them. They hang out. It's good for them to have that. They have a very strong and um, very supportive uh, network of family there, and they feel very loved. And uh, I wouldn't want to change that about it. It's a beautiful thing. And that's what's great about the church, uh, right, is that they really espouse those kinds of relationships and put family first, which is a good thing. But I think the culture kind of, you know, takes that to an extreme where, you know, your family is deemed as the most important kind of thing. And at times, and this is not, this is more common than I thought when I started talking to people But a lot of times your marriage gets put on the back burner uh, or over the family. And so, uh, you know, from my experience, I've learned that families are forever, but marriages aren't. (laughs) <laughs> well, and, right.
1: and marriages, families are forever, and marriages can be forever if both people are working towards that common goal. Well, yeah. and, well exactly. And, and, but and, that's not the
0: focus of the culture, it seems, no, not at all, right?
1: No. And I was just reading on the bottom of the proclamation on that first page, and these sacred responsibilities, fathers and mothers are obliged yeah. to help one another as equal partners. And it's interesting that people in the culture are screaming that they're not equal partners that women are seen as less than but that's never been stated in anything in the gospel or in the church Um, the culture may have perpetuated that but they're equal partners and then it says disability death other circumstances may need may necessitate individual adaptation and then extended families should lend support when needed that it's still based on that core and your extended family is there. And I agree, your extended family is important, but it's not the focus.
0: No, that's, that's a problem. It becomes a focus. They're absolutely vital. And, uh, you know, we had that very thing happen to us. There were times in our marriage where financially, uh, we were struggling, uh, you know, just with, uh, I've, I've been working in the technology industry forever. Right. And that's a very volatile industry when you've got tech companies and startups, especially through the turn of the century. That's weird to say in this day and age, but it we, you know, is, we, but we did have a, a turn of the century. <laughs> so in the year true. 2000, yeah, we went through the dot-com bomb and all that kind of stuff uh, in 2000. You know, there's a lot of companies and I was impacted by that. And so you, I found myself out of work on several occasions over the years, right, over the past 25 years. And so uh, we've had family step in, no question, just what do you need? What can we do? And here's, here, let me, we'll, we'll pay your rent. We'll help you with your bills and get you on your feet never a question things like that that's amazing uh and and uh i can't tell you how grateful i am for all of that and uh, there's a lot of things about my marriage and that whole experience that i would not change that are wonderful and uh you know my um, in-laws are all uh, amazing people i will absolutely shout that out to to everyone they are wonderful people i don't have any complaints whatsoever with that um, now, part two of, of the whole, uh, you know, divorce thing is, and this is where I take ownership, because it's not all just her saying, oh, I'm going to stay here with my family. I don't want to. That was part of it. That was the initial reason that she gave. But I think after time and, and sort of going through everything, I realized that that wasn't the real reason. And the real reason was we didn't have enough of a connection anymore to for her to warrant that that was you know was worth it? You know what I mean.
1: And if you and I'm going to ask a hard question, you don't have to answer it. If you were to look yes, back, do. <laughs> you don't have to. Everyone's answer everyone's going to
0: expect me to answer now that you said it's a it's hard true. question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but where did the connection go? Like yeah. I, I would agree. Marriages start with a connection, or people wouldn't get married. But where does the where did your connection go to?
0: Well, that was the problem. That's where I'm taking ownership because I feel that with the. Uh, issues I had with communication meaning um, just shutting down and not communicating when, um, when you know when things got difficult or whatever the situation was that you um became a problem, right, because I kind of stopped communicating, and then even when we were communicating, I wasn't fully communicating, right, you just kind of surface level answers, one word answers, you don't really want to talk about things, and it wasn't necessarily intentional, I would say, I think it sort of evolved over all those years, and, you know, to her credit, she tried and tried and tried forever to communicate, right, and not to let that break down, and I didn't, Respond with, with the way, you know, basically re- respond with the same kind of um, attempt uh, to communicate. And I think it just slowly uh, devolved, right, to the point where. Uh, we really weren't communicating. We, we'd end up losing your connection. Again, we never really fought very often at all, to be quite honest. It was very, very amicable the whole time. We're just not those people who go out and fight and have these horrible arguments and say mean things. I could never do that. And she's the same way. But, you know, you just sort of get into a rut. You just get into a, a pattern of, uh, of just going through the motions of a marriage and becoming roommates, right, and things like that. And, uh, it just breaks down and then all, you know, one day you just find yourself, I'm just not really happy. Like we're not miserable, but we're just content. Mm -hmm. And that's where it was. And that I think is a real reason that, um, you know, she chose not to, to follow me and, and support me, uh, that way. And that's on me that, that is my responsibility because I kind of created that environment, uh, through my own weakness in, in shutting down and uh, she tried and tried to continue to um, pursue communication and keep that uh, very healthy in spite of me and how I was acting and then eventually kind of just gave up, right, because I wasn't really right. responding, and, and that's, that's that. So I you know, do take ownership, and it takes two to tango, of course, but I, I do take ownership, I think, of the breakdown of the communication. And I think she just felt like, well, what makes me happy right now is being around my family and staying with my family and having my life here, and I would rather have that uh, because I don't have the connection anymore.
1: So maybe more of a connection with my family that I can talk with them than a connection with you because that had disintegrated.
0: Yes, very it- strong connection with the family for sure. Very easy to communicate with them, and yeah, all of that. Yeah, then that's a comfort zone, right? That's that's her happy place in a sense because she is very connected to them, and it's very very strong relationships. Uh, and I mean, like, you know, her sisters are her best friends, like her mom is her best friend. Like That's kind of how she talks. <laughs> and
1: right? that's where I have an a, an issue whenever mom and my sisters are my best friend and my husband's not my best friend. Yeah. And And really shifting my energy to having my husband be the person that I want to tell something or want to talk to. Or when there's a struggle, I come to them, even if the struggle is with them, because many times in a marriage, my biggest struggles are with the people that I'm I'm most deeply connected to. In fact, all the time in life, our biggest struggles are with the people that we're most deeply connected to because we care and love, love them, care about and love them. And that's where it becomes and shifts to the losing the connection because I no longer turn to that person. It's the same with Heavenly Father. If I don't turn to him when I have struggles, I'm going to lose my connection with him and not have that, that give and take personal revelation, He, you know, hearing him listen and him responding back because I haven't facilitated and continued to build that, that bond and that connection with it. And I, that brings up a great point that you have of it just disintegrated and being mindfully aware of, of it and not allowing that to happen again in your upcoming relationships is that I'm going to really focus on communication and being open and honest and wanting to build that with someone.
0: No, it's absolutely true. And I, I, again, like I will take full ownership of that because I think that that was really my, you know, behavior, my, I'll call it a weakness too, because it was a weakness. And, uh, you know, that really was a contributing factor for the breakdown. And, you know, it, um, I, I you know, regret it of course, because uh, I you know, in in a sense, I kind of hurt her, right? Because mm-hmm. she saw her happily ever after not work out. And uh, that's not the intent when you get married, of course, and we never <laughs> expected that to happen at all. But that's just sort of how life evolves. And, uh, and it's okay, because, you know, I've learned a lot from that. And the biggest thing I learned is, well, first of all, and, and this is with working with you right over time, but understanding that I do have that, that mechanism, right? That's that had been my go-to forever, where I would just shut down and stop communicating. So being aware of that is the most important thing, and then you can start working on it. And so now I've, uh, since then, you know, I've made commitments to myself that uh, that'll never happen again. I won't ever let that be a thing. And uh, I kind of over-communicate now with people, and, and especially in a relationship. Uh, because I think that's important. And, um, you know, I don't apologize for that, because I think it's better to over communicate than under communicate, because I know what happens when you under communicate, it breaks it down.
1: And communication is is a big word, but it's mostly communication, meaning saying something that has worth and value and is true, and not just communicating about fluffy stuff or I call it the cool whip on the top of the parfait where I'm not digging down into the lower levels of it, which is the meatiness of it or the best part, unless you really like the whipped cream on top. Oh,
0: yeah, the pumpkin pie.
1: Yeah, or, yeah well, yeah. digging down into the pumpkin pie doesn't have as many layers as a parfait does. And as I dig down through the layers, I really get down deep into that. And and that's, again, if that's been built and facilitated in your marriage, it's going to continue to thrive And new things are going to present because you're going to have new situations and being able to come home and say, wow, this is what I'm really struggling with, or this is what I'm having a hard time with. And, and knowing the other person will listen and be present to that. And if they're not, you saying, I don't think you're listening or being present to that and then being aware enough and honest enough to say, oh, I guess I'm not, you know, give me a minute to whatever to, I was thinking about the kids typically, or pumpkin pie or something like that but it's in in being able to open up open up to that
0: i think about my favorite cookies oatmeal raisin cookies
1: Oh, <laughs> I don't like oatmeal raisin cookies, chocolate chip. <laughs> I don't all think the way. You friends. I don't, I don't know me, how can we do if this, we're podcast this podcast anymore. Now, we can't agree. Well, on and I look at. I was thinking about my marriage. So my first marriage fell apart because my first husband had an addiction, and he was a sexual addict, which is different than a porn addict, in that he was addicted to different levels of sexual things. When it went from pornography um, to, um, going to strip clubs, to hookers, you know, different things like that, where there were different levels of it, but really just all sexuality and was really addicted to that. And he would try to address his addiction, but anytime there's an addiction in a marriage, there is not a level of honest communication. Mm -hmm. And there, the, and this is important to address also, which we really didn't address in the addiction episode, but better to address in the marriage episode, that you cannot be your addicted partner's accountability person. They need a sponsor. That is not your job as your as their partner. Your job is to be their partner, to love them unconditionally, and to accept them with all of their flaws and where they're at, and their accountability of, hey, I I you know just used again I tripped up I'm thinking about using it or where they're at in their 12 step program is for a sponsor to work with them and whenever the, there is an addiction marriages don't thrive in that environment because that person is so focused on their addiction if they're not thinking of, like oatmeal cookies if they're not thinking about oat, oatmeal raisin cookies oatmeal raisin cookies if they're not thinking about oatmeal raisin cookies they're, you know, it, it's not, it's, it's only been 30 seconds and then they'll come back to oatmeal, raisin cookies. It's literally how their day is focused is on their addiction. It's not focused on their marriage. It's not focused on their spouse. It's definitely not focused on their children. And that's where life just really falls apart. They lose their jobs. They lose their marriages because it can't thrive in that environment because they're so focused on the addiction until they recover and they go through a program, typically that, and a program isn't always necessary, but I'd say 99% of the time, a program is part of it and turn that over to God and really have that weakness become their strength. Can they then engage in the marriage and being focused in their partner? And so that's where my first marriage fell apart was complete, just focus on an addiction would try to come back and things would work for a little bit, fall back into it um ex you know, couple excommunications, disfellowship, couple disfellowship, you know, falling back into it to the point. And my biggest thing was I didn't rely on anyone else. I just turned to the Lord for what do you want me to do in this marriage? And the answer through many of the 15 years that was to stay with him, through all of those 15 years. And he would fall, he would get excommunicated, you know, I'd ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to stay in this or do you want me to leave? And the answer was to stay. And I really followed, and that's where I grew really close to the Lord, and my testimony was really founded in this trial of this addiction in our marriage that I gained this ability to hear the voice of the Lord very strongly because I needed it at that time in my life to be able to know what to do. And finally, at that 15 years, whenever there was another uh, affair, and I went in and prayed, and the answer was, it's up to you. And that's when I knew it was time to leave because it, was, it wasn't you need to stay. It was up to you. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I want to leave. And the Lord was okay with that. But I needed to choose because we're back to that's what we're here on earth to do is to choose our spouse especially. The most important decision we'll ever make is who we choose as our spouse, not an oatmeal, chocolate, or oatmeal raisin cookie or a chocolate chip cookie. That's a close second, though. Uh, it, yeah, Let's be honest. Let's keep... <laughs> or maybe what flavor of ice cream I am if... going to pick out of the freezer section. In a... <laughs> hey, listen,
0: if if you got a woman who knows how to make a killer oatmeal raisin cookie, then this... that's going to be tough. I it's don't be a, know, tough yeah. choice, a close yeah. second for sure. So check this out. I was talking with a friend about this episode, just saying, hey, you know, we're going to be talking about marriage today, and uh, she she said something pretty insightful. Uh, she said that everyone should go into a marriage being ready to start therapy. What do you think about that? That
1: That's interesting feedback. It's an interesting
0: point of view. I Um, think
1: that they need to go in being willing to be in a setting that they can be open and vulnerable, and many times that is therapy, but it will bring up stuff that has never been brought up before. And you can't, it's like preparing people to be a parent. You can't, you can't tell them what a kid's like, you're going to be up all night. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to love it, but you're, it's going to be struggle whenever you're at 3am and you're, you know, emotionally, mentally exhausted, but it's the same in marriage. You're not going to experience what marriage is really like until you're married. And then it's going to trigger a lot of stuff. And you probably are going to need therapy because you don't real. you don't know what you don't know. And I don't know that I've got all these issues about whatever it is, sexuality or getting close or vulnerability or, or, um, physical things or any of those emotional closeness until I get into a marriage and then it brings it up. And usually I end up taking it out on my spouse. And that's, that's the problem is I think it's their fault. You're to blame. You're the thing that's changed in my life. We're now married. So it's your fault as opposed to it. It's really about you. Okay. I need to inwardly look and say, hmm. I need to work on that.
0: That's a very good point, actually. We do that because um, you think about it. It's like, yeah, my life was fine until you came along. Exactly. What's the difference here? Why am I experiencing this? And, oh, well, wait, you're in my life now, uh, and I'm experiencing this that I never experienced before, so it must be your fault. Uh, I've become such a huge fan of counseling and therapy that uh, I think that it should be. It's a very healthy thing to do. I think people with healthy relationships should should go to counseling to just discuss things and maybe have someone who's trained from a third point of view say, well, have you considered, you know, this in your marriage? Have you talked about this? Or has this ever been an issue? And it can just dis- create more discussions and things like that. I think it's very healthy and you don't have to, you know, be going all the time throughout your whole marriage. But I think just the idea of keeping that in mind and thinking, Hey, we don't have to wait for a problem for right. us to go to counseling.
1: Um, but you- within the first month of marriage, I guarantee you're going to find a problem. There's going to be something, whether it's where you leave your socks, <laughs> you snore, you know, how much money you spend. Who gonna, told you I snored? Yeah. I've think i, think I've I mean, never heard myself of, snoring. Exactly. Cover. I think a lot of men snore. But, but, it, but there's going to be a problem, and it's how you address that and how you work with that.
0: Okay. I want to get your opinion on something here real quick uh, on the uh, the culture of the church, because again, that's my thing. Right, right. And, but this is a huge, huge thing. This is one of the biggest problems problems, I think, with the culture of the church is marriage in general, because there's so much pressure to get married. There's so much focus. Women are being told, just find somebody who will take care of you and to marry. And, Ugh, and, I just started no, cringing inside. I know. I'm cringing. I can see you cringing. If we, yeah. We're not on video right now, but you're cringing uh, literally. I
1: kind of feel sick. And that's the hard part is women will say, I'll just settle because it's better than, better than being alone. And being alone is empowering. And I agree it's lonely, but you know what? There's a lot of strength in being alone and finding yourself and saying, I really love me. I love being with me. Cause then guess what? Someone else is going to love being with you too. And that's when you become this desirable person that someone's going to want to marry. And, and, It's okay. And women not settling and saying, well, this man has, oh, I'll hear it all the time. Well, he only has this couple issues, this and this. And I'm like, whoa, 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 why are you settling for that? Well, it'll change. Whatever they come with is probably what they're going to struggle with in the marriage. Not always, but it, take it at face value. Whoever you're marrying, that's that's what you're getting at that point in time. Yeah.
0: But I think that that's more of a reason to have your jar. Like when you see, well, he's only got these issues. Well, write those two issues down on a piece of paper, put them in a jar, and then you guys talk about it. And
1: how them. about you talk about it while you're dating, rather than... Oh, uh, yeah.
0: Well, if you see the issues coming up, yeah. I mean, I think issues surface when you get married that weren't I there too. before. But right? if you see them you in see, mirror, yeah, in, oh, in
1: dating, to. bring them up then, rather than waiting for later. Oh, yeah. You
0: can't forgive red flags or things like that uh, at all. I, I, you know, As you know, I did this early in other relationships when I was kind of newly divorced. And, and when you're learning about... Uh, people who are emotionally unhealthy, which I've never really experienced before, luckily, but I've never really been in a relationship with somebody who's like that. Mm. So all that was new to me.
1: I think we've all been in in a relationship with someone who's emotionally unhealthy. Well,
0: not to the point where they're not ready for a relationship. You know what I mean? My marriage was very, very healthy. Okay, you're just not agreeing with me at all. I'm not
1: agreeing on that one. I think we are, we just tend to have blinders on sometimes. Yes,
0: well, that's what I mean. That's what I had. You know, when I'm talking about previous relationships, I had blinders on for sure. It's like, I really am, you know, I have feelings for this woman, or, you know, I like this about her, I like that about her, so I'm ignoring all the stuff. I had blinders on for sure in the past.
1: And that passes with marriage. The blinders come off, and then you're in full. (laughs)
0: then it's ugly naked vulnerability and you're like wait a minute this
1: I don't know if I signed up for this and that's often that's kind of what happened in my first marriage too is there was a, a bait and switch by from when the time we were dating to when we got married things shifted into a completely different place but what's when you're sealed in the temple there is this covenant marriage that okay I'm really going to try to make this work And in a way I feel like it's God saying I know in fact that's God saying hey I'm giving you a chance I'm giving you a chance to straighten your life out. I'm giving you a chance to really have something amazing. You you decide.
0: I yeah, I, I agree and I mean of course, you know, just if you don't get married in the temple, that doesn't mean that you can't commit and want to make your relationship the best it can be. Obviously, that's what you have to do as well and that's a personal choice and, you know, again, that's a cultural thing where the culture says you know, you have to get married for one thing and you have to get married in the temple. And that's just not true. It's not the right thing for everybody. And not everyone has those goals or they don't have those goals when they're 18 years old or they do. And then their goals change when they're 30, right? And they say, like, well, I maybe I don't want that life. And, but but I there, there's such a problem with the culture putting so much pressure. You've got kids getting married at 18 or 19 years old. They've known somebody for five weeks, right? That kind yep, of thing. I
1: see that all the all time. All the
0: time. And that's a cultural thing. And that's crazy. And I know that like my non-Mormon friends, uh, we have a quite quite a, a large listener base that are not... Excellent. It is real. Oh, it's fantastic. I love Excellent. it. I, I'm so thrilled that people who aren't you know in our church but who are Christians can still relate to what we're talking about because these are principles that everyone deals with. It's not just Mormons or anyone else like that. I love that this has value for people like that. But it's also important to uh, to speak to them because they're not focused on an eternal or a temple or anything like that, you know and, what I mean? And
1: yet to them, it would be wonderful if they do have a spouse that they love just beyond. Oh, you it, want to. Yeah, you they want to be want with that And person, that gives yeah. them this hope of, right. wow, I really can be with my spouse yeah. for eternity. Oh, it does. It does. And there are many people of other faiths that read the, pro- the proclamation to the world about the family, and they 100% say, I totally believe in that. Oh, that is true. an amazing yeah. document.
0: It has that, a lot of beautiful doctrine. That is, for every person on earth, is not only specific for a, no. one type of person or one faith or, or one religion at all. It is because it's universal. It's it's you know the way God set up families and marriages, which applies to every single person. Which is what that's the whole point. That's why God did that for everybody. Uh, but I mean, culturally, you know, you look at Mormons, and there's just such a pressure on getting married. Right away. And you have to get married in the temple. There's no other choice. Uh, You know, all all this and so much pressure to do all of this. You have these people, you know, making these commitments to each other when they're young and, and they haven't had a chance to date anybody else. They haven't had a chance to go to school and get an education. They haven't had a chance to travel the world or whatever they want to do. And they wake up at 25 years old. They got three kids under the age of four and they're having a midlife crisis, right? Because they've, they realize like, this was not, I I did this because my parents told me I had to do this and, you know, all these things. And they
1: feel like they've maybe missed out. But again, we're back to choosing and it's, it's looking at it from the full view of who am I really? And what do I, what am I striving for? I want to return to live with my heavenly father. You know, and that's what we, 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 this whole podcast is let's, let's hone in and bring some clarity to how to do that and return back to him. And if at 25, you wake up and you say, wow, I don't know how I got to this place, but I chose, I chose, and there's nothing wrong or bad with that. And if you want to make something happen, then, then bring that manifesting it through positivity and through faith in the Lord that he has a plan for you. And that you, you did choose to bring yourself to this point and you can have an amazing life within that, just maybe not exactly what you planned, but I agree. I believe people do need to get to know who they are before marriage, because if I'm not presenting who I am to my partner, it's not fair to them because then they're marrying someone that that doesn't know who they are. And, and that person does change a lot of times. And people will say, well, I didn't know myself till I was 30. Okay. I get that. But maybe putting a little more focus in your twenties into who am I really, I'd like to hone in on that so I can present that to others and say, this is, this is who I am. And if you want to be with me, great. If not, that's great too, because we all have that choice and not everyone's going to fit together.
0: Right, but that's the you know the culture of the church. We're, we're getting back to being spoon-fed, right? Because right. you're just told, here's what you have to do.
1: So let's go back to why they're being spoon-fed, though. And this is the difficult part of the culture of the church. They're being spoon-fed to get married young because people are fearful. They're fearful that if they have um, if they're sexual outside of marriage, that they will continue to be intimate with another person. They will end up living together and that will bring unhappiness. There's like a little equation that this equals happiness. You get married in the temple or you get sealed in the temple. You have children in the covenant. You're happy. That is not necessarily, it doesn't say that anywhere in the proclamation that equals happiness, but it is the way of the Lord and and so there's it's based out of fear don't stay don't go do things based out of fear don't t- teach your children based out of fear you need to get sealed in the temple right away cuz you're going to screw up and make mistakes uh, that's just so fear based get sealed in the temple cuz you have had the testimony of the temple because you want to honor what the lord wants you to do to return back to him in a place of faith because they can stay sexually pure Again, it's a choice in where that person's at. And if they are not sexually pure, that's what repentance is for. And repentance is this amazing gift that's given to us through the Savior. And it's for everyone to partake of. And and that happens all the time. And again, I'm not the judge to say that's wrong or bad. Everyone has a different path of learning and how to get to... Yeah, back. it is.
0: And it's okay to change your mind about what you value and what you think is important for you at this time in your life. And I th- I don't honestly think, I mean, you know, when you're talking about, you know, going to the temple, you should do it because you believe in the, that being true and that the right, that is the right step for you. And also, you know, you shouldn't do it unless you know that you want to spend forever, right? With that person. Uh, and people don't know that when they're 18 or they're 20. They don't. They don't. But they're told that that's the only thing that they have to do. That's their choice. And then they you know, go in and do that. And and then they realize later that, well, maybe that's not what I want, or I don't want it with this person or whatever, but that's okay. Like that's not a bad thing, even though the culture will tell you that, you know, listen, so let me, let me tell you this example I had recently, I was in the grocery store probably a year ago and this elderly, um, uh, missionary couple, right. So they're retired couple. Uh, wonderful, cute little couple are from Idaho, and they were here in Arizona on a mission, a service mission, or doing something, and they were just in the grocery store. They had little name tags on. So I saw them. As I just said, oh, hey, what's up, you know? And, and we just started chatting and everything, and we just talked about uh, our lives a little bit and, uh, and things like that, and um, they, uh, of course, asked, you know, so are you married? Obviously, everyone all concerned about (laughs) whether you're married and taken care of, right? So you want to make sure that... So anyway, they asked about that. So I told no, I was divorced and told the situation. We got to talking about, you know, how amicable our relationship is and how, you know, we had a really really a good marriage. It wasn't any problems whatsoever. Right. And so things just sort of um, went in a different direction. We grew uh, apart and grew into different directions and things like that. And, but I, you know, I told them, oh, you know, we, you know, we got married in the temple when we first got married. And so, and then, so when they heard that, you know, our relationship was amicable and, and uh, we're still friends today, they, they said, you know, what? we got to get you guys back together. I mean, you guys are married in the temple. We got to get you back together and things like that. I'm thinking, That's what are you talking about? That's no, this is done. Like this is over uh, that that part of it, and you know, you don't just th- this is this is the problem. This is the culture of the church, spoon feeding people and saying there's only one path. You have to get married in the temple. And once you get married to, in the temple to that person, well, you're with them forever. Like that is it. Like you have to be with that person forever. So that mindset, right? This is the right. The point. It's a mindset. If the mindset comes out, and, and they're just saying, well, we just have to get you guys back together. It's like, no, that's not. That doesn't make <laughs> any sense whatsoever. Just because we were married in the temple at one point. We just have to be back together. It's like, guess what? I can go get married in the temple with somebody else, or I can go marry somebody else uh, who's not a member and be happy uh, with them or whatever the case is. But, you know, this this is the thing. It's just this checklist mentality where it's like, oh, yeah, you have to commit to this, and this is all, all these things. So that's just crazy, crazy stuff that goes on out there, but that's the problem with the culture.
1: Right, and, and, and it's not encouraging our children to do things out of fear, but to do them out of faith and to experience... Things that they feel are important to them, and maybe they feel driven or, or that I really want to go out and date and be able to find yeah. someone right away. Okay, at, at, but having them have a better, well rounded view of what the world is. Oh, yeah, they're but in a bubble. In they a bubble. are in a bubble. And once they get into those relationships, the love drug starts in, and the dopamine starts flowing through their brain, and things aren't as clear. And it's helping them to find a clarity while they're dating that this is wonderful and learning to be in a relationship for a longer period of time is more effective and more, um, healthy. It's a healthier way of dating to not get married within a short amount of time. Again, based out of fear. But if you love each other, here's another piece that teaching your kids, if you love each other, that you will respect those sexual boundaries and be able to wait until you're sealed in the temple because you and I both know that that's not the focus of a marriage. Intimacy is part of it. It's a wonderful part, but it's not the main part. It's a big part. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a big Depends part. On your
0: relationship. Well, for most Mormons, I think, or even it, a lot of people, it's not a big part. It should be a big part. I understand right.
1: that. It's a very important it's part very because important it part. draws us close in a way that nothing else draws us close together and yet it is not the main focus
0: no no not at all and, and that makes sense and and again not everybody has that goal of necessarily going to the temple and whatnot and, and you kind of determine all those uh, things for yourself but uh yeah a lot of, again you know we we talked about this and this is a whole nother episode of of just the uh uh, you know, the, the the mindset of purity and chastity and all these things with the culture which drives it home that people are afraid to have sex because um, they're just coming from fear. It's absolutely crazy uh, how how that is perpetuated and it creates so many problems with people like that but that's why we have this podcast. So, I have brought a solution to all of these problems.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm ready for this. I one. have
0: brought a solution to all of these problems because it's like, listen, nobody's marriage is perfect. Everyone struggles. Everyone has problems and concerns. They're working through it. It's a challenge on, on the best days. And, uh, you know, and a lot of them, half of them don't work out and, and that's sad. And, and so, you know, you look at it, especially, you know, having been divorced and looking at your own situation, where can I do better? How can I, You know, fix the problems that I had in that. Where did I go wrong that caused the problems? What what can I change about myself to make the next marriage incredible and and amazing? So uh, I've I've got uh, some uh, some key ideas on how to be successful with your marriage, and uh, like your your feedback on them. But I think you'll agree that these are all wonderful. But it's and it's you know they're pretty obvious, I think, too, in a lot of ways. But are people actually implementing them in their marriage? In their marriage, right? That's the thing. That's the big difference. So the number one, the number one uh, is there's five, and the first one is um, where both people consider the relationship as priceless. And uh,
1: kind of like the Mastercard commercial. All completely, it's yeah, priceless. yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs>
0: but and, it, is. It, it is, it is
1: priceless because it's you cannot put a price on. Love and, and your happiness. marriage. And you the joy and happiness it brings. You
0: can find happiness, you can find joy in other things in life, but there's no happiness and no joy that is equal to the kind of joy that you get from being married now it doesn't mean that you know you can't be happy and completely fulfilled being unmarried that's not it but there's just a specific kind of joy that you have being married just like there's a specific kind of joy when you have children yes. right? that comes from it that different you can't, joy different joy you can't get that from other you can't get that kind of joy from something else you can get joy from other things but there's just a, a really wonderful amazing level of, of happiness when you really truly believe that your relationship is is priceless, and uh, and that means that no other relationship can bring as much joy or is a priority to you. And that's a big failure point for a lot of relationships where other things are priorities, right? Right. Other relationships, in my case, other uh, activities or interests are a priority right when the guy is more interested in watching football three nights a week instead of spending time with his wife things like that um that's a problem so just understanding how really valuable this relationship is is the first key the second is marriage uh is a foundation that's built on faith in god and 100%. that's not f- yeah it is 100 it's and that's, not for everybody that's where
1: we're both aimed at our focus is on the, the savior and on our heavenly father first
0: Right. And right. that's what, right. And, uh, and I've got a quote I want to read to finish about that because people will say, well, listen, we're in love. We want to be together. We're committed to each other. We don't want to get married because it's just a piece of paper. What does that matter? Things like that. And there is a difference to it and in, in what it matters. And in the, the big difference is God. And, you know, Christians especially will, will absolutely agree that, um, God is kind of the, the third part of your marriage, right? The third person in your marriage, if you want to put it that way. And also, but this is interesting, but it's very, very true. Increasing your faith in God will strengthen your marriage. I agree with that. Right? Really, it does. It just, it brings you together much closer. And again, if you're not, and when we say God, we've said this before on the podcast, but when we say God, we're talking about your higher power. We're talking about your universe, right? Whatever it is God means to you. We Mm -hmm. don't want to say, well, there's only our God. (laughs) You know, you have to uh, worship that. Not at all. So just when we say God, we just mean whatever is your higher power. Uh, that's you know you find faith in that and then build that faith to strengthen your relationship. Uh, the third one, repentance and humility. You talked about that and you talked about forgiveness, all of those things. Um, both should uh, constantly, uh, both people should constantly repent and improve which heals a marriage. And that's a pride thing, right, when you don't. And
1: repentance is a place of humility that I'm making mistakes and I'm repenting and and making amends with that person that I've hurt, which a lot of times might be your spouse. Forgiveness is the biggest part. Forgiving them of things that they have done as you would want them to forgive you and and that goes both ways because you're going to mess up and make mistakes they're going to mess up and make mistakes and saying I you know I can forgive you almost seamlessly if you can get your marriage to where that level of forgiveness comes pretty quickly then you don't hold grudges and you don't go to bed angry and there's not a level of animosity with each other but yeah it's true but that happens
0: yeah it is I think people just don't realize that they don't make it a priority to say okay you know, I have to focus on repentance. I have to focus on forgiveness. Instead, people will kind of go to, well, I'm right and you're wrong, and they'll fight, right? They'll fight for their point of view and they won't be willing to just, uh, just be humble and just say, you know what, I was wrong. And you know, you're right. And, or even if you feel like you're right and they're wrong, part of humility is just saying, you know what, I, I was wrong and, and let's, let's go with, with, you know, let's what? support what you say. Right. Um, this is interesting. Humility can help you realize that you can't change others. But instead, you can undergo your own change of heart,
1: and that's part of what I was going to say: is that whenever the repentance, hum- um, humility, forgiveness part isn't for my spouse, it's for me first. Right. But I'm taking care of myself, and I'm doing what I need to to be in alignment with the Lord, and then my marriage just falls into place from that. It does yeah,
0: you have to be um, healthy yourself, and you have to be. You have to love yourself and, and you have to be really ready uh, to uh, to do, make those commitments. And, and that's, that's a choice. And if selfishness and pride work into it, it's going to be, you know, it's just not going to work, I think. Like right. that. Okay, number four is respect, R-E-S-P-C-E-C-T, R-E-S-P-P-T-C.
1: <laughs> for yourself and for them.
0: Right, right, exactly, obviously, clearly. Uh, also, trusting each other as equal partners, which I think is a problem, and that's a problem that the, again, you know, the culture, at least the old school culture, perpetuates a, a patriarchal kind of you know marriage where it, it's all it's very old school, where the man is the man of the house, the woman should be submissive, not you know not not to the point where they're not equal, but you know what I mean? There's that mindset that you know, women have been told you know listen to your husband, he holds the priesthood, listen to your husband, do what he says, kind of thing, which can get taken. Too far to the extreme where it becomes overly submissive. That's not what we're talking about, but that's what the culture kind of puts in people's minds.
1: And in unity, both people are so respectful that there's a hundred percent of of buy in that we both are equal in this relationship. It doesn't mean we equally bring things to the table. What I have is different than you, but that level of respect respects that and say, I realize that I'm better at doing this, you're better at doing this, and together we make a good couple or a good pair because we support each other in that. I realize
0: way. that our skills and strengths complement each other. Correct. They don't fight against each other. I don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers. But if we're the same, we have nothing different to offer. Like you're bringing exactly what I have, and, that, I'm bringing and that's bringing exactly not what I have. And that doesn't support. That, no. no. And it, it, I think it sets your relationship up for failure because you don't have all the tools that you need, right? You have some of the tools and you both have the same tools. Like, it's no good. Now we can't do this or we can't do that. And so respecting that. So there's, here's a couple of things that I love and I live by personally with regards to this. Um, both, so respect will also mean both people making decisions together, having an equal voice and an equal vote. I thought that was very interesting. So,
1: let me. I had a great professor at ASU. He was my human sexuality professor, and he actually kind of wove marriage into my human sexuality class. And he had this great formula for that. There are certain things in life and in your marriage that are going to be um, different decisions that the husband would be better at or the wife would be better at. And at the beginning of your marriage, sitting down and making a list to the best of your ability, and it's going to shift and change as you get to know each other better that they're going to be equal, so equal H, equal W, or it's going to be big husband, little wife, or big wife, little husband, so big W, little H, or big H, little W, or complete husband, complete wife, and making those decisions ahead of time. Like for me, I don't care about the oil getting changed in my car. That's a, a complete H decision. You don't need to tell me. You don't need to check with me. Just do it. Just make it happen. He really doesn't care what we eat for dinner. And so that's a big W. I don't call him and say, I'm at the grocery store. What do you want me to buy? But we've decided on that. So it works in our marriage. And then there's some things that it's a, it's an equal vote. And that would be where we're going on vacation. Like that's equal, important to to both of us. And so we always talk about that and decide together what that's going to look like.
0: Yeah, I agree. That was a problem I had. I think that I wouldn't, and, and it wasn't deliberate. I don't think, I think what it was, was my own stubbornness and my own selfishness where I decided I want, wanted the decision to be this. And I would, a lot of times I would make decisions without, without her, consulting her. Yeah. Like not healthy at all. And I own that. That was, that was not healthy. And, uh, I, I made, took risks and made, had problems. And like, you know, I, I'm grateful that she stuck it out with me and, and still believed in me and supported me even, uh, you know, with the stupid things I did. So that is another thing that I learned in my marriage is that, you have to come together on those, especially those bigger decisions, those mm-hmm. important decisions in your life uh, that you both have an equal vote. And sometimes, you know, you're going to get vetoed. Right. It's just the, the right choice is not what you want. And I pushed for my vote all the time and that wasn't good. So now I've learned that and I absolutely agree that there, it has to be equal for this to work. This is one of my favorites. Marriage is based on cooperation, not negotiation. How many guys negotiate with their wives and talk their wives into letting them do whatever they want to do? Things oh, like that—it's—it's uh, um, it's a form of manipulation almost, right? When you talk right. about negotiating out things like that, working side by side to strengthen the relationship together, transparency, uh, open communication, no secrets—that's a big one in today's world. Everyone has secrets, right? It's—it's it's, they hide from from everybody like that, and I don't want that at all and then uh, making decisions together and having access to all information. So there was a a kid, in not a kid, but a guy in a a church years and years ago who who said, uh, he gave a lesson on this very thing and he was saying that um, you know, my wife and I, uh, share passwords. She's got access to all my yep, social account, media, social everything me- like everything. That, Yeah. And at the time, and this is crazy, but at the time I was just thinking like, okay, dude, that's a little extreme. Like mm, that's too it's much. Not. No, I know. But I, and this is like early in my marriage and I was younger and things like that. And just looking at that, it's like, gosh, really, dude, you're kind of a, you know, you're kind of uh, whipped a little bit. I think if that's, <laughs> if that's how you think, but now looking back and, and I never, like we, I, I never had, we, we did share information. I'm not saying that I didn't at all like that, but that was just like completely open. But then I started, now that you look back on it, you say, well, why would I feel that way? It's like, mm-hmm. did I have secrets mm-hmm. that I didn't want her to have access to a certain, you know, social media account or have my passwords for everything? Like, you know, it wasn't, and, I wasn't intentionally why would hiding I do things, that? but why would I feel that right. way? Did Very I really good. maybe have secrets? So again, another fantastic um, self-realization uh, about where I can do better in the next relationship, and and what kind of where you know I may have failed as an equal partner in that. So the last uh, key to a successful marriage is love. Surprise, surprise. So living together in love, being completely devoted and faithful, and uh, this is what I mentioned earlier. No other person or interest has greater priority mm-hmm. in your relationship, and that's it's easy to get into because people bring their own passions, they bring their own, uh, you know, things that are important to them in their life, like some people play this sport, or some people watch football, or some people do this or do that, have this hobby, they go hunting, all these things, and those things can kind of creep in to become a priority, right? Right. Where you'd rather spend time hunting or watching football than you would spending time with your spouse.
1: And is a spouse that loves their spouse, if they say, I really want to go hunting, you love them enough to say, go ahead, because I know that you thrive in that environment. It brings you peace, it brings you you know your yeah. time away from the kids out in nature go do it
0: that's very important it is very healthy to have your own hobbies and uh that's one thing that Max and i did very very well is we we're both committed to each other's uh hobbies and we you do need time away because that makes you want that person more when you come back Correct. right and appreciate them and we do need that and it's okay to have hobbies and have things you love i do i have things that i love to do and they're, they're important to me i wouldn't want someone to say well no you can't play piano ever again right or you can't ever do this or you can't go to the gym or you can't you know enjoy movies or whatever you want to do and so that would be horrible but the problem is it like anything it can be taken to an extreme where it's like okay well i just want to go hunting every single weekend and i don't really care what you think you know what i mean and then she feels like well he just want to spend time with me that's where it becomes a or problem. he leaves me
1: alone with the kids
0: yes so oh my gosh, and that yes, would be
1: right. equal that then whenever the wife says i want to go spend the weekend with my friends at a cabin and you say great i'll watch the kids
0: That's that's exactly the setup that we had. So whenever there was a night that one of us was going to go out with our friends, or uh, you know, in her case, her sisters, her family, it doesn't matter. I I didn't didn't care. It doesn't matter. It's your deal. So our 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 uh, rule was that's your night. So I'm going to be here. I'm so I'm making the commitment to be here. To support that I'm taking care of the kids I'm taking care of the house I'm doing everything you go and you do your thing and the night is yours what you do and whatever you do is is up to you you. whether you come back at 10 p.m. or you come back at four in the morning there's no boundaries on that there's no like and and guys do this they let their wife go out but then they say well you got to come back and put the kids to bed because I don't want to deal with that you know or things like that it's like no 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 this is your night it's all yours and do whatever you want to do and we both trusted each other which is again vital for me that's a very Mm -hmm. foundational element Uh, And so we trusted each other enough to know that, hey, if he's out with his friends till two in the morning, I'm not worried that he's, I'm not building a story in my mind, right? That he is out doing something he shouldn't be doing just we just trust each other so you go off and we would support each other and it went back and forth and so she would babysit the kids and stay with with every the kids in the house or whatever when I would go out and I would do the same thing for her and we would make those sacrifices for each other so that was one thing we did really well And I think that's super important because you do need your time away and you do need to spend time with your friends and with your girls and you do need time to uh to to work on your hobbies and do the things that bring you enjoyment Joy, right, right exactly like that okay any last uh last words on thought. marriage from you yeah I have a quote also oh cool it's
1: to it. Um, this is from it's an I, I kind of like old quotes. It seems like I go back to those quite a bit. Oneness in Marriage by Spencer W. Kimball, 1977. Um, and I love where he just just the quote starts with some think of happiness as glamorous life of ease, luxury, constant thrills. But true marriage is based on happiness, which is more than that. One which comes from giving, serving, sharing, sacrificing, and selflessness. Um, One comes to realize very soon after marriage, the spouse has weaknesses not previously revealed or discovered. The virtues which were constantly magnified during courtship now grow relatively smaller, and the weaknesses which seem small and insignificant during courtship grow to sizable portions. The hours come for understanding hearts, self-appraisal, for good common sense, reasoning, and planning. The habits of years show themselves the spouse may be stingy or prodigal, lazy or industrious, devout, or irregular, he may be a kind of cooperative or petulant and cross demanding or giving egotistical or self-effacing the, um, the relationship then it gets magnified and it's up to us what we choose to do. And that's when you turn to the Lord and, and communicate those things and be able to, to say, I'm willing to work with that and I love you and let's talk about those things. That's where it shifts and changes. I just like how he brought up. It's not all wonderful at the beginning and it's, and, and it's great whenever the prophet talks about that because, um, again, the culture would tell you life is all, marriage is all wonderful, roses and blooming and birds are singing, unicorns are flying Green across. Rose everywhere, every day. Right. And and he's just talking about things will be magnified and you will come to find who that person really is. And that's what helps to hone us and to bring us to a place of oneness is loving and accepting that person and that love like what you talked about, loves that key, will help to change that to want the place of selflessness and giving.
0: I agree. That's fantastic. Um, I mean, that's, that's a great quote. There's a lot of really um, good stuff in that. We could do a whole other thing on, on I that. think so, yeah, exactly. So I found a quote, um, which is cool. It uh, was um, from a long, long time ago. Uh, so there was a, uh, a German theologian called Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and uh, he, was, um, he spoke out against the Nazi dictatorship, and ultimately was killed, right? But uh, in prison, uh, he was executed in prison, but in a concentration camp. But uh, while he was there, he was a prolific writer. And so he wrote uh, a bunch of letters that uh, there was actually a sympathetic guard that actually got those out of the camp and out to the public, which is cool. And they were published as letters and papers from prison. But here's a quote on marriage that I just absolutely think is fantastic, and it ties into what we talked about. Um, Okay, marriage is more than your love for each other. In your love... You see only your two selves in the world, but in marriage you are a link in the chain of the generations which God causes to come and to pass away to his glory and calls into his kingdom. In your love, you see only the heaven of your own happiness, but in marriage you are placed at a post of responsibility towards the world and mankind. Your love is your own private possession, but marriage is more than something personal. It is a status, an office. Just as it is the crown and not merely the will to rule that makes a king, so so it is marriage and not merely your love for each other that joins you together in the sight of God and man. So love comes from you, but marriage from above from God. So that's interesting, and that kind of talks about, you know, when, when people, and I don't care, I mean, people will argue that and say, hey, listen, we don't need to get married, it's just a piece of paper, we're right. happy we're together, things like that, and that's fine. If that works for you, that's great. I'm not saying that that's wrong or that's a sin in any way. We don't do that here, and we don't feel that way. Um, but when you, marriage is more than a piece of paper because marriage typically involves having God in that relationship, and it just takes you and your spouse in the whole relationship to a whole other level where you're not just focused on the two of you, as it says, you know, you're. You're, um, uh, you know, you only see yourselves in the world, right? Uh, or you only see uh, heaven in your own happiness. Uh, it takes it to a different level when you have God involved. That happiness gets magnified, and you have a much greater experience. I think so. Very, very interesting quote on marriage, and uh, we you know absolutely support marriage. And and uh, and honestly, uh, most people do believe it or not. I mean, the world is going to a crazy tailspin with when it comes to that kind of stuff. But a lot of people still believe in it. I think it's inherent because it is an eternal principle.
1: Correct. Yep, and and I second that. I think that that's a great quote. Being able to look at it from an eternal standpoint of love and how it is ordained of God, and it sure it is a piece of paper, but that piece of paper means a, a, a deeper level of commitment that we have agreed with Heavenly Father that I do want to be committed to this person. I'm willing to to give and to sacrifice. And that's, and that's something that we need in our natural man ways is to learn to sacrifice in marriage. And then parenthood are the two greatest ways to do that.
0: Yes, it is not easy, but worth
1: it. Uh, exactly.
0: This is our longest episode yet.
1: Uh, long-winded today. <laughs> long
0: winded today. A lot of great stuff to talk about. And, uh, uh, as always, we hope that this uh, has been uh, you know, eye-opening for you and uh, can give you some insights into perhaps how you can improve your relationship or if you're going into a relationship, how you can set those ground rules and and, uh, and kind of create those boundaries for yourself ahead of time and, and sit down with your partner or with your spouse or with your girlfriend, boyfriend and say, here's how you know I, we want the marriage to go. Here's some ideas and here are some things, let's, let's talk about how we're going to communicate. Let's talk about what, what's going to happen and how we, like let's develop a process for when we have a fight, right, and how do we resolve that. And I think if you develop those processes ahead of time and both commit to it, then when you do get into a fight or you do get into a situation where, you know, the marriage can uh, have some issues, you already know how to solve it. And so we hope that uh, the information can be valuable and successful. And uh, thus wraps another episode of the Impactable Perspective Podcast. So thank you all once again for listening. And uh, we love you and appreciate you very much for all that. And we hope uh, to see you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep the faith and keep a stick on the ice. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Amazon Prime, iHeartRadio and wherever fine podcasts are sold.